Hello and welcome to the brand new You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you clearly and confidently build and market your brand so you flourish. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is Jeff Coleman. Jeff helps high-impact entrepreneurs scale their business by removing content creation from their plate and helping them find the right words to connect with more people so they can bring in more revenue. Jeff, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. So good to talk to you, Ryan. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I am too, for a lot, for a variety of reasons. Uh, But before we get into our conversation, I do have one question that I ask all of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? So from the very first time that I listened to your podcast, uh, my answer, still Aruba. Aruba, all-inclusive. The all-inclusive part is probably really important there, you know, if it's the, for the rest of our days. Sure. But yeah, just beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful country. I'd uh, love to go back and never leave. I think you're the first person to say Aruba. Like there's been people in that area, but first person to say Aruba. I also, it's on the, t- it's on the top of my mind because um, yesterday I was writing an, an email for a, a client, travel agent guy, I just does, um, you know, kind of bigger packages for people. And one of the, for some reason, I wrote that song Kokomo into the email, you know, Aruba, Jamaica, uh, ooh, I want to take you. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, so Aruba's really top of mind. And I never thought that would make it into an email for any client ever, but there it is. So you weren't always working with entrepreneurs and helping them, you know, scale their business and find words and create content and all that stuff. So if you were to look back, say, five, five six years ago, what, what were you doing then? And how did you progress into the place where you're now? an entrepreneur. Yeah. Five, six years ago, I was a youth pastor, totally different and, and never, never thought that I'd be doing what I do today or, or working with who I work with today. Um, that was, that seems like such a lifetime ago. It was good. It was fun. It was rewarding. Uh, but then I moved from that to like a bit of uncertainty for a while. I didn't know what was the next step. Um, and then uh, for me, then came this crisis of faith um, which kind of made the whole being a pastor thing really not possible anymore, or certainly not to live from a place of integrity wasn't possible anymore. So fortunately, I'd uh, been interested in this marketing thing. I'd gotten a bunch of certifications, kind of put my feelers out there and gotten into some networks. So that became a, a natural next step. The ironic part is that before this crisis of faith, I was actually, I had this entrepreneurial bug in me that led me to start up kind of a side hustle business. So I was still a pastor, but was uh, training other churches and pastors on the millennial generation mm-hmm. and what they could do to stop so many millennials from leaving. Then ironically, I became a millennial who left uh, church. <laughs> so, um, but as part of that side hustle, I'd, I'd um, learned a lot about marketing. I had to learn how to market myself, mm-hmm. learn how to write uh, marketing copy, you know, Instead of convince people to like Jesus, I had to get, convince them to like my product right. or my service. Uh, so it was just a very different way of writing and communicating, obviously. Yeah, and then came a bunch of certifications that, which is kind of where where we met as well. But um, yeah, really moved into that marketing world or, or had a way to kind of slowly step my way into it without even knowing that that it would become my um, my sole source of income. I always thought it would just be to help complement and raise up the side hustle uh, and help me communicate more effectively. But uh, it turned out to be the bread and butter that I needed once that crisis of faith thing happened. So 
Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, And like so many people who I think gets, you know, ultimately move into the entrepreneurial space, many people get started with some kind of side hustle. And it's you don't really know where you're going to end up, but you just kind of start. And sometimes you start because someone else comes to you and says, hey, can you help me with this? Versus you saying, hey, I have the skill. Who needs it? Which which one of those two was it for you? I'll answer that in, in two ways. So first, going way back, way before even the youth pastor thing, that was uh, somebody coming up to me and saying, we think that you have these gifts that you should use in, in the church world. Why don't you uh, point your career in, in that direction? And so that was somebody coming alongside and saying, yeah, we think you have these gifts. We think you should use them. As I got more uh, moved into the marketing space with the side hustle, it was honestly me just testing a bunch of stuff out of where do I fit in? Where do my gifts align? And um, originally it was just me finding any place where I could fit in. And it wasn't until years down the road where then people started even very recently started saying to me, no, 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 this is, this is your gifting. This is where you should be. This is your niche in marketing in your, in your own personal brand. This is what you should be doing. You had people who came along and said, Hey, you should probably think about going in this direction. So you had some people who were acting as a guide for you. And then you also mentioned you got a bunch of certifications, you know, and different things. And one of those certifications happens to be StoryBrand, which is where we met. And I'm curious, I like to ask people who find out about StoryBrand, so potential clients or prospects, like how did you first come about or learn about StoryBrand? Well, I was still in in the church world. And so Don Miller uh, had this big big name in that in that in that part of the world right i forget how he even came about it it was the podcast okay. first of all that that connected me to storybrand even before the book came out long before well, you were certified way yes. before the book came out too so a lot of those marketing principles and practices early on in my side hustle were based on my own amateur understanding of what right. the brand framework was and i should say um, i'm no longer certified I, I chose to move on past that uh, which has been an important part of my entrepreneurial uh, journey as well. But yeah, the original connection was was the podcast and the blog. And then eventually thinking, man, that would be, they've got this guide program. That'd be, it'd be great to actually learn, you know, less amateur, more professional, learn what this actually is and how to implement it for my own side hustle. And, and then I figured I could probably also start showing churches how they could do this, you know, communicate more clearly as a way to keep millennials engaged. At the time, that was that was really important uh, to me. It, ironically, again, the very last day, like as soon as the training certification ended and I was officially uh, a certified guide, uh, we went out to dinner, a bunch of us, and uh, part of that conversation totally changed the tra- trajectory of that business. It was no longer going to be about churches. It was going to be about small businesses. I'd still work at my side hustle on my own and implement the storybrand principles, uh, but my clients would be businesses, not churches, which kind of marked the beginning of, oh, there's going to be a lot of shifts coming up here. There's going to be a lot of expectations that I had of how my career would go or, or the clients that I'd work with that, that continually shifted until until the, the right niche came along. No, that's cool. I, um, you know, and I, I think I've said this before to folks, like some people will come to me and they'll say, they'll ask me questions. Should I get certified in this or should I get certified in that? And you know, really there's, there's two ways you build credibility. You can either, at least as you get started, right. You can either borrow it 
from someone else, like what we did with StoryBrand by becoming certified. We kind of borrow their authority, which positions us as credible people because we've gone through their training, right? Or you take the time to build that up yourself, which can be a long, which can be a long trek, which is uh, what, you know, why I recommend when people come to me and ask me those questions, start something as a side hustle, especially as if you're a full-time employee, test out the waters and see where you end up because where you think you might want to go may not be where you, where you ultimately end up, which I think is interesting when you said you thought you were going to implement it with churches. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, wait, I think we're going to do this with businesses. So what was that like just from a mindset standpoint, being able to market to, you know, now having to market to a business versus churches, which is kind of like the realm you were in before you went into that course. Yeah. And it it was also, I don't know, it wasn't like prophetic's the wrong word, but um, it's looking back. It's so interesting how these little hints uh, and little teasers of what life would eventually look like were there at the beginning of, no, this isn't going to be for the church world. This is going to be for the business world. And I didn't know what, what that was all about at the time, but um, it, it led me down this path where there was, I didn't know what the final destination was. I don't know if I still even know what the final destination is, but you know, I could see the next step and then the next step and then the next step. Um, and for me, borrowing credibility was, I had no, I was a pastor. I had no credibility for moving into the business world. Uh, and even then I was, I was a relatively young ish pastor uh, who, if, even if I'd stayed in the church world and, and being that cons- church consultant, I was too young to have credibility, but having these certifications really built my authority, built the trust that people could have in me until I had my own authority, my own uh, results or testimonials or expertise or whatever you want to call it. And so I'll I'll just insert here for one second that I I mentioned that I moved on from, from StoryBrand. For me, that was the certification originally was it was all I had. It was everything that their authority was the only thing I had. The only reason that I got clients, the only reason that I knew what I was doing. Uh, but now a few years later, um, I have my own authority. I don't need to borrow it anymore. And that's not the case for, for everyone. There are, there are guides that have way more authority than me. Plus they still borrow story brands. Um, yeah. So my decision for my business was, um, I don't need to borrow that anymore. I need to move out of my parents' basement, go out of my own, and, uh, and make it work based on my own expertise and my own uh, value that I can make it play. So tell me, tell me what that journey was like. So as you went from side gig to full-time gig, like what were some of the biggest surprises or challenges that you were facing initially, uh, you know, outside of, I just didn't have my own authority yet, but like what, you know, as you were building things up, what were some of the things that you faced that you that just you weren't prepared for or that surprised you? I mean, the, the first thing, and I think this can be, everyone's going to resonate with this one is just finding your own clients. Um, I had no client base to go to, to rely on, you know, church world to business world. Whereas other guides who were already business world, already marketers um, had old clients. They could go back to and say, Hey, now we've got this extra thing that we can offer you. Uh, do you want to give it a try? So, uh, um, you know, filling up the pipeline with with people, prospects that actually want to move forward with you and have the budget to move forward with you. 
um, is a big challenge. I remember still the very first client I got and how excited I was. Um, and it was only a couple thousand bucks. I have like, this is real now. I'm a real legit, um, side hustle marketing consultant person because now someone's actually paying me to do it. And I still had my, my full-time job. Um, so the side hustle thing is, um, you know, don't necessarily quit your job and just start a side hustle because the income, I mean, that first client took me two and a half months to get. Um, so fortunately I still had an income. Uh, so yeah, finding your, your, your own, uh, leads, your own clients is, is really difficult. Uh, quite a challenge right off the bat. Um, and then fulfilling on that client, uh, or on subsequent clients was also a challenge that I hadn't dealt with yet. Um, I didn't have experience there yet. So I had the authority with the, the board authority of story brand, but I still didn't know, okay, how do we make this a great customer or client experience? Um, I had ideas of, of what that flow would look like, but I was just testing them out with each of these new clients until, until I kind of landed on something that, that really worked. Finding clients, fulfilling on clients, and then um, turning those clients into either repeat or referral was also a big challenge. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the techniques or ways to find or capture leads? I mean, the first thing that I, that I did, which I, I still do to this point, either for myself or for clients, is exactly what, what Don taught us in the StoryBrand certification. It's a really simple funnel, which is just, you know, have a lead magnet, have a PDF. That's really valuable that people can download for free in exchange for their email address. Get them on your email list, send out valuable emails. Uh, in my case, it's, it's typically six emails um, that are, that are value-based, but also lead people towards you know, getting on a call with you or, or lead to a sale. Um, and yeah, so, so PDF to email campaign to a discovery call to great, let's work together. Here's the contract. That's, that's a super simple funnel, which for most people is all they need, especially if their product or service is, you know, fairly affordable. That's, that's all they need. I'm going to use that as my segue into our next discussion. Since, since you brought it up, it's like you, it's like you're reading my mind here, but you, you have on your website, you have a lot of really great resources. And one of them is called the funnel filter. So, and in that you talk about the five types of funnels, but let's just, just, first of all, what is, what is the funnel filter? And then I'd like to kind of touch on each one of the types of funnels that you've got. Yeah. So the funnel filter is, uh, it's like an eight page PDF. So, you know, the, the answer that I just gave, this is me following my own advice, following Don's advice, following the advice of, of a bunch of, a bunch of the quote unquote gurus out there. But, uh, a lot of times people don't set up a filter or a funnel because they don't know which one to pick. So there's in my PDF, I have uh, kind of the top five, but there's, there's a ton of different funnel um, options out there that people can pick. So, you know, a lot of times it's that analysis paralysis. You're just overwhelmed with the options. And so you don't um, take action. So in, in my case, I, one of the resources that I have on my site, the funnel filter, it's just, it gives the top, the top five types of filters that people can choose that are most common for um, for my audience, or or which is very similar to the people that are listening to this podcast. Um, so I mentioned the one, the lead magnet or the PDF funnel, um, and then I I also provide a little little description, uh, a map of what each funnel type is going to look like, 
what industry it's going to work for, um, you know, what type of average customer value or lifetime value you're going to, um, that's going to fit into each type of filter. Uh, the technical difficulty, is it easy? Is it, you know, kind of medium? Is it really difficult to set up? Um, and if there's any tools that you might need to, um, to create that funnel, what those might be as well. So uh, for, for the one that I already mentioned, the lead, the lead magnet uh, funnel, the PDF funnel, typically works for any type of business. Uh, you might have a, um, an average customer value of, of, you know, on the low end, perhaps, um, you know, uh, a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks. Difficulty is pretty average. Most people can do it. And, and the tools that you need are simply uh, uh, email um, automation service like MailChimp or ConvertKit or Drip. Um, and then a description of what that one is and a map of what it looks like. Like a thought occurred to me as you're just as you're talking. So for those who don't know, let's define what we mean when we say funnel first, because <laughs> there may be somebody listening going, "Okay, you lost me. I have no clue what a funnel is." So at a high level, like when you say when you talk about a funnel, what yeah. are you referring to? Yeah. So think picture in your mind's eye. Picture a um, a triangle or a funnel where the big ends up on the top, little ends down on the bottom, um, and so. Generally speaking, the number of leads or prospective clients or customers that you get, um, that's going to be a, a much larger number than the number of actual clients that you get, right? So we put the big number up at the top at the, at the wide part of the funnel. The low number is at the bottom of the, the funnel or bottom of the triangle. Um, and so we, we basically map out how do we get all these leads, all these prospects, um, to qualify them, excite them, get them on board as a client as they go through your marketing process. So in my case, top of the funnel is just anyone who's on my website, anyone who's reading a blog. Uh, as they go down through the funnel from the top to the middle, maybe they've downloaded a PDF of mine. Um, maybe they've, um, you know, in some other way gotten into my marketing world. They've gotten onto my email list somehow. Uh, and then eventually at the bottom of the funnel, it's they're on a phone call with me uh, or they've signed on as the client, ideally. But, um, you know, they're on a phone call with me, a discovery call where, where we're having a conversation to see if we're a great fit to work together. So a funnel is basically the way that you get people into your um, into your atmosphere of, of marketing to them. And in, in my case, I use that as, or in most cases, that's going to be, okay, and here's how we bring them down through that triangle from a prospect to a lead to totally qualified as a client and then to signing on with you as a Perfect. client. And you, and in this particular download, you talk about um, a quiz funnel, a lead magnet funnel, which mm -hmm. this download is a lead magnet funnel. Um, yeah. You yeah. So you'll be, it's kind of meta. Yeah. You'll be downloading this funnel thing and then you're in my funnel. <laughs> yeah, so it is. You also have an application funnel, yeah. a webinar funnel and a product funnel. Um, I, I, and the one I, the one I've used for years is the quiz funnel. So tell me just a little bit about the quiz funnel. What is that? It's really, uh, it's a fun way to get people into your, uh, into your atmosphere. It's also really effective. So a quiz funnel is, you know, think of Buzzfeed, um, you know, answer five questions about your favorite sandwich and we'll tell you what your career should be. That type of thing. That's a quiz funnel. Um, obviously you can make your, quiz a lot more professional if you want to. If your brand is, is fun and witty and all that, maybe you do want to go with a silly one. Um, but you still want to make it valuable at the end. So the, the, um, 
the quiz funnel is really effective. It's really fun. It's, uh, but it's also kind of difficult to, um, not to create the quiz, but to create the, okay, how do these answers that they're giving you, how do they line up with an actual result? How are you going to map that out? Um, Cause people are going to, are going to want to know if you're quizzing them on, um, you know, what color is the best for your brand or something, if that's the quiz, um, you need to make sure that the five or however many questions that you ask actually result in, Oh, blue is the best color for your funnel. And here's why, or for your brand. And here's why. Um, so that's the one difficult part. Some people, if they're super logical, super analytical, they're going to, they're just going to geek out on that part. Anyway, they're going to love it. <laughs> uh, building up the back end yeah. of that quiz. Um, a lot of tools though, like, um, try interact.com is the one that I typically recommend. They have tons of templates that that difficult part is already, um, they've already sorted it out for you if you use their templates. Yeah. I use, like I said, I've been using the quiz funnel for a long time. It's called my personal brand quiz that people can take. You get a score at the end of it. And that score directly relates to one of the four steps that I define in my book. So if you take the quiz, you know exactly where you fit in my book and you know which step you should you should be on. So I think a lot of people know what the quiz is. They see that. Another one that a lot of people know is the lead magnet one where you go to somebody's website, you download a PDF document, um, and then you get sent a series of emails. One, Two things I want to ask you about this one. Uh, first of all, what do you think is probably the most common mistake people make when designing a lead magnet? So they go too broad. I've gone a little broad with, with a few of my lead magnets, with a few of my resources. I've gone a little broad, but not too broad. So the funnel filter, as an example, that helps me know right off the bat, they're, they probably know what a funnel is. So they're, they're knowledgeable about marketing a little bit, um, but they're having difficulty deciding on what is the right funnel for them, which is great because then I can come in. If we end up working together, that's where I start is what funnel are we going to pick for you? Here's what it looks like. You've already seen the map because it's included in the PDF of what that funnel is going to, um, how it's going to work. What are the pieces that we need to include? Um, so when you go too broad, if it was just, um, what is a marketing funnel as a PDF? First of all, nobody is going to really want to give up their email address for that because it's too broad. But other than just, well, they don't really know what they're doing yet. It doesn't provide me any answers for what they want or qualify them as a potential client. That might make a great blog post, but not a great um, lead magnet. So too broad is generally the biggest mistake. I want to get it as, as, as dialed in as I can. And I do that even more with the follow-up email campaign of getting it really dialed in of what their, um, what the problem is they're trying to overcome through, through me, hopefully. Um, but yeah, if you go broad, it's your, your lead magnet's useless. You don't know what emails to send them afterwards. You don't know what difficulties they're uh, trying to overcome. Uh, whereas a really tight lead magnet topic, lead magnet title, uh, and follow-up email campaign is going to really uh, dial that in for you. And so when you get them on the phone, you know exactly what to talk about because they've already told you. They just don't. They don't even know it. They've already told you what their problem is and why they need you to help them solve it. Perfect. Talking about getting him on the phone, a lot of folks 
when they, most of the time when we start business side gig or something like that, we're acting in a coach or co- uh, consultant type capacity. Some people like to stay in that realm and other people like to expand beyond that to maybe a, a larger business. So as we're getting started doing a side gig or we're freelancers or coaching consultants, um, the application funnel is one that I think is really important for those folks to implement. So can let's walk through like some of the pieces of the application funnel. Like what should what do we what do we absolutely have to have in it and what do we make sure we avoid? Mm-hmm. So when you download the the funnel filter on on the or my website, it maps it out. So there's four parts that are really important. There's obviously your your offer. They need to know what they're applying for. So that could be a sales page even. Um, so say it's they're they're applying to your coaching, your group coaching program. So they've, they've landed on the offer page or the sales page. They've read through that. They're interested. Um, and then they click the, the call to action button is like apply now or something like that. Um, so then they go to the application page, which is the second important part. Obviously in an application funnel, you want an application form. Um, so they go through that and you want your questions to be pretty, um, well, there's two approaches. You can you can waste your time on the phone and try to see if they're qualified or waste both your time on the phone and, and, and see if they're qualified on the phone call. Or you can use your questions on the application to make sure that they're a good fit for your program, that the issues that they're trying to solve, the outcomes they're trying to achieve um, are part of what your program includes. And also you can have in there you know, income testing questions to make sure they can actually afford your price point. Um, in the application. So you can include those there. Um, again, rather than waiting until the phone call to try to figure them out um, and use your application as a way to filter people out. That's the whole point. If it's 10 questions or 20 questions and they feel like, Oh, that's too long. I don't want to do this. Well, guess what? They never would have bought on anyway, or they would have been a horrible client. Um, so part of us, especially early on, um, Part of us thinks, oh man, no, I just, I, I, I need that little rush of getting somebody, you know, to book a phone call. Um, and I get that. I understand that I've, we've all been there. Um, and even sometimes still it's, oh, I know that person's unqualified, but they want to talk to me and that'll make me feel good. Um, but use your application as a way to weed people out and, and don't bother wasting their time of yours on a phone call if they're not qualified. A quick question on that. Do you recommend doing the application before? they're on your calendar or after they're on your calendar before. Um, so because anybody can just find a time in their, in their calendar and book a call. Um, and then, so I've tried it both ways. When I had the calendar first, they'd book a call and then about half of them would actually fill out the questions. Um, so the, the, my calendar would just forward them right to, to the applicator or to the, uh, to the questions um, after. Like I said, half of them would actually fill it out. The half that did converted like crazy because they were already warmed up. They were already interested. Uh, we had some great uh, conversation based on the answers that they already gave me. Those who booked and then skipped the questions, probably pretty close to 0% of them, like like literally none converted to clients. Um, if they don't value their time or yours enough to answer a few simple questions. And we're not talking like essay questions, maybe a sentence or two at the most per question. And a bunch of them are, you know, tick which boxes apply. Um, if they don't have time for that, they don't have time to be a client of yours. 
and you should value yourself more than that than just taking their money for, you know, someone who's going to be a bad client. So yeah, always in, in my case, it's always application first and then uh, calendar booking page. Um, and so I, I forward them after they've answered the questions, I forward them right to the, sometimes forward them right to the, the calendar. Sometimes uh, for some clients of mine, they want to read the answers first. And then if they feel the person's qualified, then they'll send out an email invitation for the calendar. Um, I've found, I'll just send them to the booking page. Once I read through their questions, if I find they're not a good fit, I'll send them an email and, and cancel the booking. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've done that too. I do, I do, I do the opposite. So the, I think the important part is it's application, get people to apply. So I let them do the calendar first and then I redirect them to the application page, but I have an automation set up. I use active campaign that tells me whether or not they complete the application. And if you don't complete the application, you get emails from me saying, Hey, you need to complete this before we can meet. You need to complete this before we can meet. And the day of, if you still have not completed the application, then I'll just reschedule. I'll send a note for you to reschedule your call. Like we won't talk. Um, and it gets to what you said, which is people who fill out your application are interested. They, they want to know more about what you do. And, and, and when they take the time to, to do that, then you know you've got a, a much hotter, warmer lead than what you do for somebody who just puts time on your calendar. Mm -hmm. Question for you, I wonder, because uh, some people might be wondering this that are listening too. So a booking service like Calendly, which is what uh -huh. I use, um, I think yours allows us to, they allow you to put questions right in the booking. Yep. Have you found any difference um, of having questions right within the booking page versus an actual form after or before the booking? Because uh, so I find it to be very different. The Calendly people are not nearly as warm as the people that have actually filled out like application form questions, even when they're the exact same questions. No, I have. So the only time I ask questions on the booking form is for podcast interviews. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I've got just a couple I want to know before we before we you know meet. Um, but I haven't tried like if I took the questions that I ask on the app and put them into yeah. the booking form. I've not, I've not experimented with that, but it would be interesting to try mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just to see. I found it to be very, the application gives you the best, the best warmest uh, clients um, yeah. is what I've found anyway. So, yeah. So, um, and I use an odd, by the way, I use an odd booking thing. It's called book like a boss. I got a, yeah, like a, yeah. one of those app sumo lifetime deals on it. It works really, yeah. really well. Um, but, I there I, I struggle with the UI of it. I think mm. Calendly one is much better looking, but anyway, that's just a that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so yeah. we can uh, geek we, out on that stuff later. Oh uh, yeah, I mean we could totally geek out on some of the like the last two funnels you have in the funnel filter download, uh, but yeah. Yeah. those are those are like more complex. The, mm -hmm. the webinar one especially. Um, yeah. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about some of the resources you have available on your website at jeffcoleman.com. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's Jeff, J-G-E-O-F-F, -F, um, yeah. not J-E-F-F. Jeff with a G, -E Coleman with a K. That's right. There you go. Um, and so what I want to do is ask you, you have, a, you have a really good one on there that you just you just recently put out, or maybe this, is, maybe this is even one of the ones driving some of your traffic because it's really good. But you talk about the four simple steps to grow your email list. So... Mm -hmm we're talking about webinar funnels or funnels and how you get people to come down into your funnel to 
potentially be a, a client for you. But then yeah. also there's way there's other ways that you can grow your email list so you can then nurture people to potentially become a client for you. And so you talk about four simple steps to grow your email list. One is the opt-in on the homepage. Then you've got a resources page, a pre-recorded webinar, and content upgrades. I think mm -hmm. we've already talked about the opt-in. So how important is having a resources page? How would you structure a resources page on your website to help grow your email list? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, this could be, I just have it uh, on my menu as resources. Some people might put it as, a f as free resources or, um, or things like that. But I've found for me, so I, I've over the years compiled a bunch of resources uh, that I want to give away, right? They're, they're PDFs, they're uh, webinars, they're whatever. But I never actually centralized them into onto one page where people could find them really easily. Um, so just a few months ago, I compiled them all onto that one resources page. And um, and that's been a, a, a really integral bit to me actually getting, um, well, like the title of the, of the blog post says, like my email list has grown by, but grew by 20% over 30 days. Um, and this wasn't a new list. This was a list that I started as soon as I became a certified StoryBrand certified guide. So this is a, an old list, like a, like a, not, not a outdated list, but this is a, a list that has existed for a long time that all of a sudden is just spiking in growth. Um, even, you know, even now, um, 20% over a month is, is pretty darn good. So, um, yeah, resources page has been really, uh, really important there. It's one of the, it's one of the most highly trafficked pages on my site. So there's the, the homepage is always typically always going to be your number one page because that's where Google's sending most traffic. Um, you know, if people are just typing in your, um, your URL, that's where they're going. Um, but the resources page after my homepage about page and, and two um, blog posts that get first page um, uh, search results, uh, then it's the resources page. So it's even actually above a third blog post that I have that gets first page um, results. Uh, so people, people want to go there and then people are downloading multiple assets of mine, uh, free resources. Um, and when they download one thing, that's great. When they download multiple things, now I know, oh, there, there's some heat there. there there's some warmth there. Uh, so that's been, that's been really good. One of the things I noticed about your page right away is that most people who put resource pages up mm -hmm. put up links, affiliate links to things that are not theirs mm -hmm. to right. try to get you know, some affiliate commission. Yep. All the stuff yep. you have on your resource page is a way to grab an email address, which I thought was a very, uh, very smart tactic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I th think of it this way, if I put up a, a resource, um, uh, an affiliate link to some book on Amazon, I might make a buck. My goal is not to make a dollar. It's to make $10,000, right? Right. I want to get their email address. I want them on my list. I want them as a client, which might not be 10 grand. It might be five grand. It might be 50 grand. Right. Who knows? But yeah. Uh, what a wasted opportunity to try to get one dollar of, of an Amazon commission when I I want ten times or ten thousand times that. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's a super super smart tactic. Another one that you do is and that you talk about in that blog post is content upgrades. Yes. W what's a, what's a content upgrade and when do I offer a content upgrade? 
Mm -hmm. So again, I have three or four blog posts that are just killing it. Um, so just look, go, go into your Google analytics, see what, what your top blog posts are over the past 90 days, um, six months, even or a year, if you want to go back that far, um, find out what those pages are, what those blog posts are, and then create a piece of content that just adds a bit more value to that blog post. So in my case, uh, back when I was a certified with StoryBrand, one of the most um, trafficked pages on my site, one of the, the um, first pages of Google blog posts was about um, creating your own StoryBrand one-liner. Mm. Uh, and so I just, the, the same worksheet that I would run through with clients at the time on how to build their, their one-liner, I put that worksheet up as a, as a download. So they give me their email address. They've got the same worksheet that I run through with clients. Um, the worksheet isn't actually that helpful unless they're walking through it with me, mm. uh, which is again, a little intentional. Um, yep. They can use it. They can, it can be effective for them, but it's, it's designed as part of my program or as part of the program that I had at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's an example. Just whatever that blog post is, um, make a piece of content that's going to, upgrade their experience on it, add extra value. It doesn't take you more than an hour to create. Um, and, and all of a sudden you've got their email address and you pop up like a banner for it. Or uh, in my case, I put it in a couple spots in the blog post uh, in the middle and at the bottom, hey, you can download this worksheet. Um, mm -hmm. Just click here. Then it gets their email address and their name, sends them the resource, but I've got their email address now. Yeah. You said something there that I find interesting because a lot of people say, well, I don't want to give away my work. Like I don't want to give away the stuff that I do yet. You give away, like you're giving away the actual worksheet mm -hmm. that people can use on their own to go do their, to go do it on their own without you. But the truth is, and we both know this, I could give you all my works. I could give you my entire process, yeah. but if you're not going through it with me, your results won't be the same. Exactly. You're going to be guessing. You, I mean, my hope is, well, I have two hopes. I hope that they can take that worksheet and turn it into just a killer one-liner that they just rock it, right? They knock it out of the park. If they can do that um, just based on that worksheet, great. That's awesome. They've had success with it. Cool. The other hope is that they fumble around with it and they have to hire me to, or they want to hire me to help them through it. Right. Either way, those are both great results. And even if they take neither of those actions, but they're still on my email list, that's a third great result because I get to keep communicating with them, adding value to them, and hopefully one day getting them as a client. Um, but yeah, giving away stuff for free. Uh, and again, we, we both understand this is difficult, especially at the start because, because man, I, if I give it away for free, they're never going to pay me. Uh, the more I give away for free, the more money I make. So yeah. Yeah, that, that that's an ironic thing, right? That's what you think yeah. when you get started is the more I give away, the less people want to work with me. But the truth yeah. is, the more generous you are, the more mm -hmm. stuff you give away, the stronger connection you build with people, and it yeah. makes them want to work with you. And it builds your authority, right? Of Look at what he's giving, willing to give away for free. Imagine what's behind that paywall. Or um, these resources have been really valuable. He must be, he must really know what he's talking about. Yep. Um, so give it away for free. It, it doesn't cost me anything to give away a worksheet that I've already created for free. Um, it doesn't cost me money. It makes me money. Yeah.
Awesome. So Jeff, for those people who are looking to get some free resources and mm -hmm. they are looking for your advice and your help and your assistance in uh, being able to grow or scale their business, what are some of the best mm -hmm. ways for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So the, the first thing would be go to my website. I'm sure Ryan, you'll have it on the, in the show notes, go to my, go to my website or go to the show notes, grab that uh, funnel filter PDF. Um, that'll get you on my email list and you'll see what, uh, what stuff I send out. Um, and if you just want to rip off what I send out, tweak it, turn it into your own, send it out to your clients, by all means do it. Um, I hope it's valuable and I hope it works for you. Um, so that's, that's the easiest way. The other way would be, um, um, that's, that's the best way. Just go to my site, download something, then you're on my list and just reply to an email that I send you. I don't want to make it too complicated. Perfect. Simplicity is always, always right. best. And us, that, and us that... story brain guides or former story brain guides or recovering story brain guides. <laughs> we have to, uh, we want to keep it simple. So yes, that's the best ab way. Absolutely. Yeah. And simple is G-E-O-F-F-K-U-L-L-M-A-N.com. Jeff, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us today. I greatly appreciate your time and your expertise. And I really look forward to watching you continue your journey. Um, you know, now that you're, you've, you've got your own credibility, your own authority, and you're moving up and on from uh, StoryBrand. So good luck to you as you do that. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. All the best to you. Today's show is edited and produced by Ryan Roden. Today's music is Hudson Hawk by Neon Beach. All music licenses were purchased via soundstrike.com.